You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Mobilizing your marketing efforts. Welcome to Mobile Presence. Discover the best practices for tracking and targeting mobile marketing. Our hosts will take you inside the latest trends in mobile technology and help you make the most out of the mobile web. Learn about the latest strategies and trends in the world of mobile, web development, search, email marketing, text message marketing, and more. Leverage your mobile presence today. Now, now, prepare, prepare to get mobilized. Here are your hosts, Cindy Crum and Eric Chan. Hi, everybody. You're listening to Mobile Presence on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Cindy Crum uh, with Rank Mobile, and I am excited to have a very special guest with me today. His name is Jack Hyman. Is that how you say it? It's Hyman. Hyman, okay. And uh, so, welcome. Um oh. Jack, give us a little background on, on who you are and, and stuff like that, because you are working on some really interesting stuff. So why don't you give us a, a quick update on what we're going to hear about today? Well, I, I, I have two lives. I uh, work for uh, several government-based clients in the Washington, D.C. area, as well as I am a university professor at several universities in the Washington, D.C. area. And I'm also doing a Ph.D. study, and I'm about to finish my uh, Ph.D. in the next 6 to 12 months. But the focus has been on usability in the mobile commerce area. A lot of what I do is enterprise solutions, enterprise content management, and a lot of it has to do with search conversion, how transactions occur, and a lot of the psychological, cognitive nature of mobile technology. Fantastic. So you and I spoke last week, and you were dropping some serious knowledge about what it takes to get people to convert. So I rushed around to get you on the show because this week is the conversion conference happening in uh, San Jose. Uh, It's a Tim Ash uh, kind of thingy that he's put together, and everyone's really excited about it because obviously uh, none of the stuff we do on the web or the mobile web matters unless we can actually convert people and make money, right? That's correct. 
So, like, the stuff I focus on, which is SEO, doesn't really matter uh, without, without your stuff. So that's why I was so excited to, uh, to hear from you. So, so give us a little background. So you said you do enterprise-level mobile stuff. D- does that mean you do back-end or you do stuff that, that no one sees? Unpack that a bit for us. Well, a lot of the larger players in the enterprise space use content management solutions. And, you know, a lot of them have this information, got a lot of information. How do you deploy the information? You know, that's the information aggregation side of the house. But then there's this niche where a lot of people want to go into the commerce side of the house. There's a lot of people who believe in developing apps. That's the way to do things. But a lot of the retailers, they just want to figure out how to make sales, even if it's converting their in-store advertisements to web-based advertisements for information gathering. And the the entire purpose of what I've been really focusing on is what makes a satisfied user? What are the, the, the elements to create, you know, satisfaction so people can purchase online? You know, airlines, you know, auction houses, retailers such as eBay and Amazon, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year, but their conversion rates, unless they've built a really niche platform, has been really poor. So that's where my focus has been on mobile commerce, but I'm also dealing a lot with the information aggregation space with a lot of the enterprise content management portal players who are now coming out with portalized mobile solutions. Right, and there's not really a great mobile content management system that's widely adopted yet, right? Everyone's kind of uh, making their own or stringing things together, reusing other code, right? Right, I mean, there's two or three major players in the space who have a lot of, quote-unquote, commercial off-the-shelf software available. And what they're doing is adding plugins or just a little web feature that says convert pages to mobile. The problem is, is that not every mobile device can handle the code. So, for example, what an Apple iPhone can handle is not what a BlackBerry can handle, but you know, some of the platforms are made by companies like Microsoft. Microsoft has optimized their platform, SharePoint, for their mobile device, whereas some of the plays aren't as successful. So, you know, it's coming up with the best of breed. How do you build a solution that works for everybody's purposes? You know, if you were to use a commercial off-the-shelf or even an open source like a Joomla or WordPress, they're now building plugins. But how do you optimize those web pages with those plugins? And will those plugins work with all the platforms available? So, Jack, I, I definitely think it is a problem where, um, you know, companies are now starting to fight for – uh, what you put on your mobile phone and where you go. Um, I wanted to know if you could comment about some of the news that just dropped today about how uh, the government actually wants to file a class action lawsuit against Apple uh, related to developers and how they're basically trying to get them to use Apple-only tools, which will actually make it harder for developers to write their applications cross-platform to Microsoft, Symbian, as well as uh, BlackBerry? Well, let's start by taking the operating system business itself has been this entire direction. And, you know, several years ago, you had Microsoft, you know, being slapped with the DOJ lawsuit saying, you know, you're anti-competitive. And in Apple space, they've literally told some of the ad mediators, we cannot allow you in the platform anymore. Why? Because you've got... You know their proprietary system. There's a lot of the application development tools they don't want because, quote unquote, it's costing their infrastructure. So, I mean, Apple's trying to build a kingdom where it's very, very strong with all of their tools. 
I honestly don't think the government's going to handle it. I honestly don't think that you know everybody knows that Google you know is building this platform and they're doing it open source. It's like the opposite end of the spectrum, whereas Google is open to you know getting innovation, whereas Apple believes it's got this very niche area and. I honestly can't see that, you know, Apple's going to get that far. You know, there's been a tremendous amount of development has been focusing on Android and moving away from Apple because people aren't making as much in Apple because, you know, of the restrictions Apple's putting on. And with a lot of the uh, plays of uh, being merchants and acquisitions, you know, there's few and fewer players and Apple's trying to acquire them and Google's trying to acquire them. Right. Well, and I really don't think this lawsuit's going to go anywhere because Apple, yes, they're being kind of mean, but this is how they always are. And not that that's a legal defense, but this is how they always are. And the iPhone really still only represents something like, what, 15% of the market in the U.S.? It's it's 17% of the market. But but think about it this way. Apple last week started coming out with its pricing for its iAds platform. And they're saying in order to become an advertiser, you have to have almost a million dollars. Well, in the affiliate marketing, internet marketing space, you know, a good affiliate will have about a quarter of a million dollars to throw at, you know, an ad platform. They're upping the ante at least five to ten times so they can get quality, but that's because Apple has that premium, and Apple's trying to do the exact same thing. They want to make sure that it is as pure as possible and they have as much control as possible because they don't want to lose their business model. Right, but their business model, this one, hasn't worked before. I mean, forever they had their own... Uh, OS that wouldn't run Windows programs or, or anything like that, and they had a small market share, and you know the PC was the main computer for everyone, and then finally the Apple platform started right. taking other software, and and we're going to see that again. I mean, maybe they're saying, well, that worked for a while, so let's make it work for a while here, but I think it's kind of uh, well, short-sighted. I, I think that comes Christmas time when Google comes out with the Chrome OS. And you know that there's plenty of new hand play, you know, handset plays such as Dell's coming out with you know tablets and mobile devices. Dell tried it once before. Are they going to be successful? Acer's coming out with four devices in the next six weeks. A lot of them are embracing Google because Google is more open source. Google is open to having that open access. Even Microsoft with Windows 7, they're creating more interoperability with other platforms, and that's becoming more enterprise friendly. Whereas Apple, you know, you don't have push messaging, you don't have everything is more entertainment oriented and you know there's really five segments of you know user contention in the mobile space and the apple is more of the discretionary spending funds whereas you've got the the mobile space of the windows and the the androids even being more corporate oriented blackberry having the largest segment of it though right well and i think people are a bit more savvy now they're looking at that and they're knowing just like what uh, we were we were talking about earlier with brasco is that they know that they want stuff that's cross-platform because they hear about all these different things that run on different phones and they say oh i want that and then they realize it doesn't work on their phone and and they're really disappointed so i think people are a bit uh, more wary of that and i think i think this thing with apple um I think Apple's going to realize they should have learned from their lesson the first time around with the computers, but I think they'll learn it faster this time. Right. I mean, 1987 was a breakthrough year for Apple. They you know, almost went out of business. You know, it took a, you know, three or four different CEOs for C. Jobs to come back and you know, change the model again. And really and truly, the reason why people are purchasing Apple computers now is because they know that it's all synchronized with the, the iPods and the iPhones and things of that sort. I mean, the computer still has its limitations, even with having the ability to put Windows operating system-related applications on it. Yeah. 
Well, and, and in terms of usability, Apple really does have that, and that's why I think that's why they're saying they do this is if we control everything, we know everything works. Um, and that's really nice, and that's kind of one of the major selling points that they do have and that people are willing to spend extra money to make sure that they they don't have to think too hard when they're setting up their phone. I mean, in, in my previous life when I was uh, going through my undergraduate years, I worked for a design firm in New York, and you know, everyone uses Apple because that is the brand because of the, the built-in infrastructure that Apple has built into the computers. It is a more powerful computer for certain industries. But on the same you know, token is that Apple brings in a lot of consultants, you know, the biggest and the best names in the usability industry to give them surveys and they spend a lot of money on research and development to make sure their consumers have it right, whereas some other software vendors care more about functionality. Now, Google is one of the best usability plays, but at the same time, some of their applications have failed because they haven't been usable friendly. Yeah. Well, they keep things in beta forever so they can. Right. Right. And, and you know, <laughs> everything is everything like if you look at the front page of Google, you know, you go and see no ads. But when you go to every page, that's because they know people aren't going to be inclined to use the search engine or it's not going to be as easy for them to get from point A to point B if they had those ads. But on the other hand, People are more accustomed to having right column to be navigation or advertisements left column to be navigation. Apple's the same way. They know it's a top and bottom play because if you have a small screen, you know, you're not going to want to put advertisements on the side. You're going to put on the top and the bottom. And people are apt to going back and forth using eye tracking, you know, to go back and forth on the page rather than do it on left to right. Right. So, so we have you here to to talk about usability and e-commerce and stuff like that. And I just want you to share some of the findings because you're doing research, right? And you've run some studies, and you have uh, some some results that have not been published yet, but that you're willing to share with us about what it takes to get people to convert on a phone. Um, so, so give us the high level first, and then I'm sure Eric and I will have tons of questions. Okay, so, you know, there's a couple different things in the mobile space. You know, you've got your landing page. You want to provide basic information, an email address, a telephone number. The the problem is is that people just are on the go. People want something quick and fast. If you're looking for a piece of information, say, for example, you're looking for a map of where to go from point A to point B. I want to go to the grocery store. Don't know where, you know, the local Starbucks is. People can type those things in in a few, you know, finger strokes or, you know, few t- words to say on a mobile device, and it translates. But what happens is, is that when people are searching for that, that's, you know, actively getting involved, and then you search and you're very passive. People are willing to go ahead and spend, you know, a considerable amount of time when they're on a task. Task orientation does convert. It's about 39%. But on the other hand is that when you're just looking for information and you're being asked for information, for example, you're going to go ahead and to go to Google. You find what you're looking for. Uh, let's say you want to go ahead and buy a box of pens. So you go to the office supply store, whether it's the local play or you know, the big box retailer, and you search for it. So you're willing to look and compare for prices. But then as soon as you go to that store, if you don't have a user account and your information isn't stored – that's where the transaction comes to a halt, and it's because people want efficiency. They don't want to have to waste time typing stuff in. They don't want to have to, you know, 
go ahead, scroll back and forth. So the truth is it depends upon what devices. You know, some devices there's a lot more scrolling allowed before a person's going to cancel the transaction. But in my study, I found out it's about 127 characters give and take. That's an average between devices. If you were to go ahead and talk about iPhone, people are more apt to type more on an iPhone. Uh, if you're talking a BlackBerry that has a keyboard, they're a little bit more apt to touch you know, the keyboard than to touch the touch screen. Uh, mobile devices such as the Android, it's mixture. There really isn't as many results, but in the Windows environment, you know, the Windows mobile devices, it's a very low threshold, less than 100 characters. And even in feature phones, you know, the, the phones that you know, have the little downloads or the music, people aren't even willing to put out information. Now, this is the United States in particular because you know, there's a concern about security. There's a concern about privacy, but people aren't sure where the information is going. So, you know, it's a question about flexibility. How flexible is the device? Does the device allow for, you know, when you commit an error, can you correct it? And that's been the, one of the biggest problems is if you can't correct information and you can't go ahead and, you know, go back from point A to point B and there's no instructions, people aren't going to use the site and that's where the conversion happens. And, you know, I... I know that is about 17 seconds you know people look on a website a traditional website 30 to 40 seconds if they can't find information they're not going to find it but in a mobile space if you don't have your top features within the first three or four lines or within the first half of your browser screen you're most likely not going to convert because people want information fast because a mobile device is an on-the-go device so it sounds like what you're saying is that we have to avoid the clutter and just make it like a one one thought screen, like one thought per screen. This is what we want you to do. Is that what you're hearing, Eric? Yeah, I I, I think that's definitely true. Although I, I I think maybe after the commercial break, I want Jack maybe to talk about um, input types a little bit. So beyond just typing, um, you know what what successes or what you've seen maybe on the voice side. Or maybe other things, um, you know, even something as simple between applications. Well, so I think for for now we'll we'll go uh, we'll go to a commercial, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk more with Jack about um, building building out your presence um, on mobile and be, making it useful for people to use uh, while they're on the go. Mobile presence will be back after we connect you to our sponsors. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to prwebauthor.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online news release and content distribution service. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Staying ahead of the curve to deliver the best online marketing solutions you need. That's what the JAR Group is all about. The JAR Group offers a full-service suite of marketing and managing solutions custom-tailored for affiliate search and social media. The JAR Group uses their resources and research to help meet and exceed the revenue expectations of each and every client. Find out how the JAR Group can work for you at thejargroup.com. That's thejargroup.com. The JAR Group, online marketing with measurable results. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Mobilizing your marketing efforts. Welcome back to Mobile Presence on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are your hosts. Hi, everybody. We're back. You're listening to WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Cindy Crum from Rank Mobile and uh, Eric Chan from Mobile Slate. We are talking with the fantastic Jack Hyman, who is giving us some great tips about mobile usability. Um, so... Uh, before the commercial break, we were talking about this idea that you have to really uh, limit what you expect people to do on a mobile page, that you have, what is it, a couple seconds, 17 seconds? 17 seconds. To, to give people what they're looking for, and you want to keep it above the, above the scroll mark and all those things, but it's hard to do when we have so many different phones and so many different screen sizes and stuff like that. So I think Eric had some specific questions about what were the questions, Eric? Yeah. So before the before the break, the the one thing I wanted to ask was about um, just beyond um, you know keypad or keyboard input from the phone. That I know that there's been a lot of companies, and and for the longest time I can remember, people have always been talking about voice input or the fact that um, linking, let's say, between your email or other applications to be able to copy and paste so that when you go into the browser, you don't have to retype. You can quickly um, copy and paste. Right. Well, you know, you have the – if you don't want to go ahead and type the information, there's a lot of people pushing the paper call modeling where, you know, you type your you know, website, you see a telephone number, and then there's that conversion where it goes from the mobile device to the offline. But, you know – Apple actually just acquired a voice-based company where their goal is to go ahead and allow the user to speak, and then that text will be converted. That's something that's really in infancy, and I can really see that you know genre coming to play in the next you know six to twelve months because even on mobile devices nowadays you can speak your actions, but it's very once again task-oriented. But you know you're using things like QR codes. You know you have your two two D barcodes. That's a way to go ahead and convert a lot of information in a short span. The question is, is that what is considered too much information? You know, a lot of people are concerned about the privacy factor. 
And that's really where, you know, there's this hesitancy of sorts. Well, and the Nexus One launched with the voice input. And the thing that I was so uh, excited about was that you can dictate an email. And they did a demo of that, and it seemed like it was right on. They, they didn't have any voice problems. But most people don't realize that Opera, the mobile browser, has had voice commands for a long time. And you can even do voice commands on the traditional computer if you're using Opera. Um, sure. It's fantastic. And, and I think they've had that for years now. So maybe it's just a matter that the marketing hasn't kept up with the technology. I mean, certainly voice input has been around for a long time. And every time I think I use it now, whether it be, you know, checking my airlines or talking to free talking to customer service, it gets better and better understanding me. I mean, there, there, there's this convergence issue. I think it's adaptability. You know, everyone wants to get on the bandwagon. There's a lot of innovators, and then there's the the common space. There has to be a true application to go ahead and use a technology like that. I mean, right now there's been a lot of talk about a daytime talk host saying that she doesn't want to go ahead and have text messaging or you know instant messaging on a cell phone while someone's driving. Well, there's a great case study that someone in the media is promoting safety, and people should realize that if they have a mobile device and they have it connected to their car, they can speak their messages. They can still have those conversations, and they don't have to worry as much about typing at the wheel. Well, that's a good use of it, but people aren't used to it because there's a learning curve, and people don't want to learn. People think that mobile devices are convenience devices, and there are powerful technologies behind it, and they just don't want to spend the time and invest in it. And, and in case you're scared to say it, I'm not. The certain celebrity is Oprah. And <laughs> I, That's right. I was a little too scared. Don't want to get publicly in trouble. <laughs> Bring it on, Oprah. We'll have her on the show. <laughs> you want to no. get a mention on her show, too. That's right. <laughs> We'll we'll take it to TV. No, I I agree. I think that um, it is a big concern the usability of the mobile and the 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 tendency for people to feel like they have to respond all the time, uh, even if they're driving. Um, you know, and, and that's definitely very dangerous. Has anyone seen the uh, the MythBusters episode where they compare driving while talking on the phone to being drunk and they do a obstacle course? Yeah, it's it pretty. It's pretty frightening. The results. It's equivalent yeah. to being drunk. That's what they found out. Is that using even talking on the phone uh, gives you the response rate of a drunk person when you're driving. But I don't think they've tested a hands-free unit, uh, which is what Jack was talking about. And I think that that definitely helps. But I know that I use hand-free units when I uh, when I talk and drive. Uh, and I still am definitely distracted. I still do it, usually try and do it on the freeway when I'm going a straight line and really fast. (laughs) I mean, I think that, Amy, and one of the things I learned in my research so far is that, you know, people are tolerant of errors because they're accepting it because it's a mobile device. They know that networks you know, can break down, so they're tolerant of errors. When it comes to the learnability factor, people don't want to learn. You know, There's a the flexibility factor is that the more powerful the mobile device, the more people are able to do, but people want efficiency. People don't want to have to waste time, but the truth is the average transaction on a website, let's take Amazon.com, for example, if they didn't have the one-click shipping or they didn't have the just put your name, username and password and 
it would be about nine to ten minutes to complain that exact same transaction that could take maybe 40 or 50 seconds, you know, otherwise. Right. Now, there's a well, big so you're, time disparity. So, Jack, you're also talking about one other factor, which is people are inherently lazy too, right? Right. So if and, you can't and, make it dead simple, it, you're just going to have people who just uh, are, are putzing around trying to figure it out and then eventually get frustrated rather than just right. make it really easy, make it a big button, make it colorful. So all I know is I just have to click on one or two things and I'm done. Exactly. People don't want to learn. I mean that's really what it is. It's people take out a so it's like the day after Christmas, you, you know, get your, your computers, you get your electronics, you just want to use the device. But when you have to spend seven hours putting something together, you become frustrated and where's the joy in it? Well, that's the entire thing about mobile. Everyone wants new. Everyone wants innovation. But if you're really going to use it, you know, people don't read help instructions for games on a, a mobile device. People just know, okay, you go to the file menu on a uh, – Microsoft Office, but on the mobile device, it's a little more complicated than that because there's two or three different steps on a Windows mobile device. Well, and it's, Jack, what what are your thoughts on providing potential bail points? Because I think it's fine to say, you know, send me an email so I can pay for this later, or send me an email so I can finish my order later. Do you think that that's okay, or or would you say, you know, that's half? You know, that's only doing it halfway. You just have to make it a really quick three-step process. To go ahead, I mean, there are some vendors who have integrated mobile payment into the solutions. That's great. You know, if you can do that, and I mean, eBay is a perfect example. They bought PayPal. Great solution. You have Amazon. They're using their own payment gateway. Google is using many of theirs. But if you don't have the payment gateway right up front or you don't have the conversion immediately, that's going to be a problem. You know, in the affiliate marketing space, for example, dating is a great space because people are looking for dates all the time. You can be in an airport, they're going to look. But if you're going to go ahead and make a sale, it's not going to be on a mobile device. It's going to be on a computer because people have a lot of information to type. But if you called up, you know, the person and say, I want to purchase a membership to see the premium services, that may be something very feasible. But it right. has to so be done like, instantly. It yeah, has to be done instantly. Bail. You let them bail and you say, you know, we know this is too much of a pain for you to fill out on your mobile phone. So you can give a link that says, you know, call to Type your email address in later, you know, yeah. or call me and I will fill in the basic information so you can be up and running. Because a yeah. lot of the, you know, the dating plays, for example, they're going ahead and they're doing things context awareness. So I can be in the middle of Times Square and there could be 45 people walking the streets who are on one of those dating platforms and I can see that. But if that information isn't in there and it's going to take me 10 minutes, people aren't going to convert. And are they really going to go to the site? Because first impressions are even more powerful in the mobile space because people want to have instant gratification. They need to find out immediately. It, a mobile device is about personalization and immediacy. It's not about you know passive activity. There's a huge opportunity I see with travel because I travel a lot, and I usually I can look and find the flights that I want on my phone. Like if I ha if I miss a flight and I want to rebook, I can find the flights that I want, but I still don't want to book it online. So if I could you know click on the flight and then immediately talk to someone where I can give them my information or give them my frequent flyer number, that would be much better than me having to type it into the phone. So I think that's what we're looking at in mobile is right. it's really hard to track because you have so many more conversion opportunities or mediums of conversion. You know, I could, if I'm in the airport and I missed a flight, I could find the next flight on my phone 
and make the phone call or send an email to myself or just go up to the desk and say, I know that there's a flight at 5.30 and that's one I want. Does that count as a mobile conversion? Maybe. Well, well I, have, I have two thoughts on this topic. One of, one of them is um, as, much as, as much as I love these scenarios where things are really convenient, I, I'm still of the opinion that because in, potentially you are doing a commerce transaction – that the pain has to be somewhere. So whether it's each and every time I make a transaction, like putting in the credit card in the phone, or I have to have, go through a long registration process to really validate that it's you, to really authenticate that this person isn't a fraudulent user or using a fraudulent card. And then I'd, I would be okay with the use case that every time after, Cindy, like like you're talking about, you know, I, I have to put in some user login information and then maybe put in some other uh, information like a pin to authorize the purchase or a change. I think I'd be okay with that. But people still have to realize that, in lieu of in lieu of making it convenient, the reason why we have to enter in all this information is because we are trying to be secure and to thwart out uh, fraud and and all that kind of stuff. And, and Eric, a lot of the vendors who are offering these one click solutions. I mean, Amazon, for example, you do it online. Amazon can offer it, but you still have to do the conversion online to some degree first right. because you have to put your credit card information. So a lot of the stuff is happening on the computer, but then they're giving you that username or password. And I mean, even some of the, the financial institutions, for example, in order for you to go ahead and do a stock trade or a forex trade or something like that, they give you these RSA tokens. You know, these simple six-digit or seven-digit numbers that you have a pin that you put in because they want to make sure it's secure. But they're guaranteeing that you have your security and safety at play, and then you could still convert. I mean, that's one of the interesting things. Financial players are very successful. Entertainment is very successful online because there isn't much keying in because there are security parameters, whereas people in the commerce space, they still – know if their item is going to be the right item if they're going to get a blue shirt versus a green shirt you know people don't have that you know touchy feely nature because it's not information driven well the unfortunate part about that and Cindy and I have touched on it before is what happens when those people who you're trying to you know buy stuff with only have a phone and they don't have a PC and they don't go online in the traditional sense by you know, uh, through a, a web browser on a PC. I mean, people need to realize that, that that actually is something that does happen pretty frequently. And, you know, first experiences are are on the phone uh, accessing the Internet. And so those companies also, also have to figure out a solution to do that, too. I'm sorry? But it's, but it's also a cultural thing because if you think about it, you know, over 45% of the Euro-Asian, you know, mobile space – is purely e-commerce and commerce-based transactions. Why is it that they are so willing to do it? A lot of it has to do with privacy and security and just the willingness to learn and adapt to it. We are a very uptight culture. You know, Western society is a very uptight culture because we're not necessarily willing to go ahead and take that leap of faith and go ahead and spend that extra time. Right. Jack, do you think that, that there's a perception of different kinds of security issues when people are on their phone like if it's even if it's just going over wi-fi like and people feel more comfortable going over wi-fi on their computer than making a transaction transaction on their phone uh, absolutely if, why absolutely. is that how do we fix that 
Well, I mean, for example, you go ahead and have like an Internet Explorer browser or Netscape or Firefox. You see those security controls. When you look at that URL monitor, if you've got an HTTPS at the header, you know it's going to be secure. People don't know what the website address is because people don't usually see the URLs except for that initial URL that you input. You know, People don't know where the information is going. The truth is, is that many times information is going through different carriers in the carrier you're at. I mean, for example, you can be using an iPhone, but your information actually may be going through a Verizon wireless you know, carrier versus an AT&T just because it's the nature of you know, cellular communications. Each network you know, is re- reciprocal in their communication abilities. Right. So things are going across multiple networks, and the different networks may have different security uh, setups, right? And so we never know. But even most people and their security concerns, they can't even articulate it that much. They just know that they should be a little bit more cautious. But how how do we fix that? Do we, I mean, how do we tell people that it's okay? Or is it okay? Is it really less secure? Well, I mean, let's take an example of applications on a BlackBerry. If you were to go ahead and go to a regular www.google.com, you could type a search tool. And now you may have it set for your local location, but generally speaking, you don't have any context whatsoever. However, there are certain search plays such as Bing where they really recommend you download an application. And the first thing they ask you is, are you okay by, you know, us, you know, detecting where you are currently located. That's a privacy and security issue because if people are willing to do that, then they're willing to open themselves up. They're giving up some security. So people have to be educated as to what it is that's important from a usability perspective of, you know, if you see different fields or you're looking for certain things and it's not, you know, up to stuff. That's important to realize, and people just don't recognize the warning sizes on a mobile device because they don't want to spend the time to look at the content. You know, whereas on an online space, there's a lot larger screen, and there's a lot more that you can, you know, manipulate. Right. So maybe we need to start developing like safety icons or something like that that tells people that it's a secure transaction. However, or however we do it, make people feel better about the transaction. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. the case. So, Jack, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the show, and we're going to have to have you back, perhaps when you're done defending your thesis or dissertation, excuse me. Um, But uh, we're going to have to wrap it up for today. So thank you so much. And is it do uh, do you mind giving us contact information if people have specific questions about your research? Um, Sure. Email address? Yeah, uh, I can give you my email address. It's J-A-C-K period hymen at eclario, E-C-L-A-R-I-O dot com, or you can go to my personal website, eclario.com, and you can learn more about my company and the service offerings. Fantastic. Okay, you've been listening to Mobile Presence on webmasterradio.fm. You can hear Mobile Presence every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And I'm Cindy Crum from Rank Mobile. You can reach me online on Twitter at Suzix. That's S-U-Z-Z-I-C-K-S. And that's how you pronounce it, Suzix. It's not Suzix. Uh, and this is Eric Chan from Mobile Slate. My Twitter handle is at Mobile Slate, M-O-B-I-L-E-S-L-A-T-E. Thanks so much for listening.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.